0: Well, if I asked you to complete the sentence, I'd be happy if, how would you answer, I would be happy if, or how do you think people, just uh, generally, in in society would answer answer that sentence? I'd be happy if. Well, what about putting it the other way around? X stops me from being happy. X stops me from being happy. What would be the thing? That stops you from being happy and think about maybe how you would answer that or or how people uh, out there would answer that Well, what we're going to be thinking about uh, this morning is how Ecclesiastes starts to uh, fill out an answer to that question that's something we've been thinking about over the past few weeks as we've been looking at Ecclesiastes and, and today Ecclesiastes turns to examine our relationships and how we how we relate person to person so in verse, uh, verses 1 to 3 it talks about oppression and it says how there was oppression that was taking place under the sun um, Power was on the side of their oppressors they have no comforter so there's an awful lot of um, bad relationships if you like just out there in, in the world isn't there there's a lot of oppression and uh, sadly, it, it is a, a terrible thing. And Ecclesiastes says even that uh, the dead had already died happier than the living. But then he goes further and says that better than both is the one who has never been born. So he's saying it's even better not to be born than to see all of the, the oppression that goes on in the world. And you think, is that really true? Is it is it better not to have been not to have been born? And I think we have to remember just what we were thinking about last week, uh, chapter three, verse seventeen. God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity. So, so the oppressors don't get away with it in the long run. The oppressors don't get away with it. But this is what the teacher is saying in Ecclesiastes that. There is a lot of it about, and if you don't have a long view of God's judgment and his justice, then actually it is what he says is true, isn't it? How can we deal with all of the oppression in the world? How can we deal with all that injustice unless we believe that a God of justice is is going to make things right in the end? And that's the point that uh, that he's making. But he then goes on to talk about other ways in which uh, human relationships break down, which are perhaps a bit more subtle. And in verse four, he says, all of the, I saw all the toil and all achievements spring from one person's envy of another. So he's saying that at the end of the day, a lot of toil and achievement in the world actually comes from a, from a negative, from a bad place, which is being envious of another, and that's what drives a lot of people. It's not that they just want, want good things for themselves, but they want a bit more than someone else. And that's what, what drives me. You know the whole, the saying, keeping up with the Joneses. You know, your next door neighbor gets a nicer car, so you have to get a nicer car, and your next door neighbor gets, a, I don't know, a new a new lawnmower, and you have to get a new car. All of that sort of thing. That's how a lot of people work. That's how a lot of people kind uh, of function. This is what the teacher is saying. There's a poem by Victor Hugo. I don't know if you, you know any, uh, any works by uh, by Victor Hugo. There was a, a famous book that he wrote, um, a little pop quiz. Um, this this escaped me the name of his, his most famous book. Anyway, he wrote a poem called Greed and Envy. And in that poem, Greed and Envy, they go walking together. And they come across desire. And desire says to them, I can give you whatever you like, except that um, the other has to get the double portion of whatever you want. So whatever you ask for, the other gets double. And uh, and envy said, make me blind in one eye. um, That is envy, isn't it? That's envy, as long as you've got more than, than the other. Um, that's that's how a lot of people work. Now, what what the teacher is saying in Ecclesiastes, he's not saying this should make us lazy. And it says in verse five, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. So that's not. A, this is not a, a, a call to be lazy. You know, it is good to work hard. It is good to to earn a living. It is good to do, you know do do all of those kind of creative things. But he says, verse six, it's better one handful with trans- tranquillity. Then two handfuls with toil and chasing after more. So he says it's better to be at peace and not kind of, always be chasing after more, and just have that inner peace of just accepting the good things that we have as a gift rather than rather than always chasing after more stuff. G.K. Chesterton, um, he was the author from the 20th century, he's a Catholic, I think, but he often said a lot of wise things. And he said that there are uh, there are two ways of getting what we want. The first one is to acquire more stuff, to get more things. And the second way is to desire less, and just to be content with what we have. And, and I thought that's a really wise thing, actually. It's very much in accord with what the teacher is, is saying in Ecclesiastes. And so... Um, And and it's also uh, what the Bible says elsewhere in uh, 1 Timothy, for example, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. The Bible has got a lot to say about money. And and, uh, yeah, 1 Timothy, sorry, 1 Timothy 6, verse 10 says, The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So, Uh, The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And uh, and that's something that the Bible often talks about. And uh, and greed can often lead to loneliness. This is what he says in verses 7 to 8. There was a man all alone, he had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. So there was a man who... Had great wealth, and um, he was, you know, he was not content with it, and he was all alone. He had neither neither son nor brother, as it says. And unfortunately, we can probably think of people like that, can't we? Perhaps, if not known to us in our own experience, people who you can think of who, if they go to a restaurant, could pay for the meals of everyone in the restaurant, but don't actually have anyone to share it with. And, uh, and this is, sadly, this is how it, um, how our society, again, often works. Not just our society, but in every society, you get this. The greed is there, and people prefer uh, acquiring wealth and things to actually uh, prioritising relationships. And he says it's not just meaningless. Um, the teacher actually adds, it's a miserable business. So it's not just meaningless in the long term. It's miserable here and now. And you know, the people who chase wealth and chase possessions in this life don't just, make them, it's not just meaningless from, from eternity's perspective. It's actually miserable now. That's the, that's the point of it. And so if, if, if he finishes off this, this little section, verses 9 to 12, uh, saying two are better than one. That's really a summary of what, of, of his message. Two are better than one. And he gives some um, some practical reasons why. For example, they have a good return for their labor. You know, if you join forces with someone else, you can achieve more. Uh, if one of them falls down, someone else can help. Um, if they lie down together, they'll keep warm. Um, on a day like today, you kind of think, oh, I can see that actually. Um, and on may be overpower, how the two may defend themselves. So, So there are practical reasons why. But, of course, the biggest reason is that human beings are, are intended for relationships. Now, think about what uh, God said to Adam in, in the garden. You know, it's not good. That's the first thing that he said, it's not good. It's not good for man uh, to be alone. And uh, that's when he, he, he creates Eve. But really, the point of all of this is that we as, as human beings are designed to give and to receive love not to store up possessions for ourselves and I think I'd like to just ask the question of us really are we are we investing in the right things are we investing in our, as much in our relationships as we do in stuff in things now I think this is Something, I think there is a bit of a gender gap here because I think women are probably better at this than men. I was reading an article about this um, a little while ago which said that um, just encouraging men to to work on their friendships uh, because it said most men, when they get married, um, if they do get married, will end up forgetting their friends. And um, I know that um, my dad, uh, when my mum died a few years ago, he's got back with some of his friends that he knew years ago and I think it's been really good for him. Um, but it is—it's important, isn't it, for us to 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 work on the relationships that God's given us? Because at the end of the day, that's far more important than than the things that we have, than the money that we have, the the, the positions that we have. And it's not about being married or single. It's not about that. It's about and about the church, about the people here, about the friends that we have, about our neighbours, about. Our, up you know, our wider families and all of those relationships are, are important and God wants us to, to prioritise those and to, uh, to get that in the right perspective you know, he doesn't want us to be alone uh, and he doesn't want other people to be alone and um, it, it puts money in perspective as well doesn't it it puts money in perspective that, that the best way to be, to be happy with money is actually to give it away And to have it, to have what we need, but actually to uh, to give it away. This is, um, for example, what it says in Acts Acts chapter twenty, verse thirty-five. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus Himself said: "It is more blessed to give than to receive." According to Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive, and uh, that's a good attitude, I think, for us to have when it comes to our possessions, when it comes to our wealth, whatever we have. I read a lovely story this week. Actually, it was a couple of weeks ago, but it was a, 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 a billionaire called Chuck Feeney, and uh, he was um, uh, yeah. There was an article written about him um, in the in the newspaper in the, the Guardian a couple of weeks ago. Chuck Feeney has achieved his lifetime ambition, giving away his $8 billion, that's £6 billion fortune while he is still around to see the impact it has made. For the past 38 years, Feeney, an Irish-American who made billions from duty-free shopping empire, has been making endowments to charities and universities across the world with the goal of striving to zero, to give it all away. This week Feeney, 89 achieved his goal. The Atlantic philanthropist, the foundation he set up in secret in 1982 and transferred almost all of his wealth to has finally run out of money. As he signed papers to formally dissolve the foundation, Feeney, who is in poor health, said he was very satisfied with completing this on my watch. From his small rented apartment in San Francisco, he had a message for other members of the super-rich who may have pledged to give away part of their fortunes, but only after they had died. So those wondering about giving while living, try it, you'll like it. And there's just a, there's just a little bit about how he lived. It says Feeney has lived a remarkably frugal lifestyle, not only a car or home, and only one pair of shoes. He was known for flying only in economy class, even when members of his family and colleagues would travel in business class on the same plane. And I just I read that and I thought, wow, you know, how often do you see that? A billionaire who just wants to give it all away. And uh, and yet he found a kind of life. And um, you know it was good for him. And I just thought that's a, a wonderful encouragement I think, isn't it? That you know so often we just want to hang on to everything. But you no know, it's it's good, isn't it, to, to not have that desire, but to, to to want to give. So life is a gift from God. And it's it's just this is all the way through Ecclesiastes. We've been seeing this. We need to think about life as a gift from God, and we need to, to take the things that He gives in the way that He, uh, the right way that He gives them. Just remember that God will give us what we need. Now, sit first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added to you, and then, and then we can see life, and we can see things in the right way. We can make the right priorities. So let's prioritize our relationships. Let's not seek to hold on to wealth and put our trust in, in those things, but rather uh, seek to, uh, to, to give to each other and to, to build up our relationships with each other.